In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today the Church celebrates what we call Good Shepherd Sunday, and we take our note from the wonderful description that our blessed Lord has given very many times throughout the New Testament, and indeed throughout the whole of the Bible, of himself as the shepherd of the flock. The Good Shepherd, uh, we remember from the lovely parable which he describes to us. And it's a way of showing us how God looks at us, and of course, by extension, how we should be looking at God. We're members of a flock, a little group of sheep under his care. And he, for his part, is watching over us, guarding us, ever vigilant, ever caring, ever devoted. In the little parable of the shepherd and the sheep, our Lord describes how he will leave the 99 sheep in the, in the field in order to go after the one who has strayed. And of course, we all understand who that is. And perhaps we all know somebody, perhaps even ourselves, who at some stage wandered far from the flock of the Lord. And we're speaking not just of those who wander off into mortal sin, but maybe those who leave the flock altogether and seek false happiness in the world and seek light where there's really only darkness and who end up disappointed and dejected. Chesterton talks about such a soul being someone who can walk to the very ends of the earth and yet be tugged back by a little pull upon the golden thread by which the Lord is connected to each soul. It would be enough if the Lord said to us simply, you're welcome to return when you wish, and I'll welcome you with open arms. And yet he does a lot more than that, doesn't he? He says that he comes after us. He seeks us out. He pursues us. And then, having recovered us, he carries us back on his shoulders to celebrate. This wonderful care and devotion of the Good Shepherd is repeated in the Gospel of today, in which we see our Lord describe himself, the Good Shepherd, in terms which are remarkable and astonishing. The Good Shepherd, he says, lays down his life for his sheep. No earthly shepherd would do this. It would make no sense. But this is the nature of the relationship that our blessed Lord considers himself to have with his flock. And that is the critical factor in all of this. The flock, the sheep, are his. <clears throat> I know my sheep, he says, and they know me. They hear my voice. And this is what distinguishes him from the hireling. The hireling is doing his duties for somebody else, but not for the sheep themselves, because he has no particular relationship with them. But the Good Shepherd does have that relationship. It is a relationship of absolute devotion, to the point where he really is willing to lay down his life, to die for them. It seems simply an expression of extravagant devotion there when we read it in the Gospel. But of course, we who know the end of the story know that he did in fact, of course, lay down his life for his sheep. He cares for us to this degree, he knows every one of us. I know my sheep. We're not simply part of a great herd, faceless, lost in the crowd. Every single one of us is known, 
loved, cared for, watched over, and in the end redeemed by our blessed Lord. This is a very particular type of flock. It's not the sort of flock that you'll find anywhere else. How lucky the apostles were to have the Lord as their shepherd in this world. And those first disciples and those first Christians, he watched over them, he cared for them, he guarded them, but of course, as we know, he left this world, and yet they remain. And so it was that our blessed Lord made sure that the flock in this world would not be left without shepherds. And indeed, he promised this long, long before. When God spoke through the words of the prophet Jeremiah, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Such shepherds are quite extraordinary. To be a shepherd after the heart of God is an amazing claim, an extravagant claim, a very wonderful claim. Perhaps not an easy thing to establish. But so it is that our Lord so arranged things that by the time he made these promises, towards the end of the gospel, he was establishing the church which would provide shepherds for his flock until the end of time. What we must remember is, of course, that these are shepherds after his own heart. They're his shepherds and guarding his flock in his name. These, of course, are the priests whom he has called to his service. It is a very high service and it is a very demanding one. The standards are very serious to try to reach, but that's as it should be. The principles upon which the priesthood are based are those which flow from the very heart of Christ himself, and they emulate the good shepherd. The priest in this world must be prepared to give up his life, and so it is that from the time of the Twelve Apostles onwards, our Lord has called men out of the world and asked them to give up very many things in order to be shepherds of the flock which he himself gathers. They give up family and friends and many things which are good in themselves in order to attain a higher good, and that is the good of souls. And as the years pass, they guard the Lord's flock, passing on his teaching feeding the flock with his sacraments, pouring forth his grace to them. The reason that we celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday at this particular time of the year is because we're remembering one of the Lord's last appearances. And it happens when he's up near the Lake of Tiberias in the north of the country. He's appeared to St. Peter and to about seven of the disciples who were fishing. He instructs them to let down their nets on the right side of the boat, and they receive a miraculous horn of fish. And he calls them over to land, prepares a little meal for them, and then, then it comes. You see, he takes Peter aside. Peter, whom he's already singled out before, given special marks of honour, Peter to whom he said, you, previously having been Simon, are now Peter, the rock on which I will build my church. 
And he asks him these questions, which of course we all know so very well. We've heard them so many times over the years. He asks him, do you love? He asks him three times. And St. Peter responds with an increasing degree of panic. Yes, Lord. Yes, you know all things. You know I love you. And each time the Lord is instructing him on his duties as a priest. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. The flock is committed into his care. And by extension, it's committed into the care of all of the priests of the church. And under these conditions. You see, our Lord doesn't ask St. Peter whether he's the most intelligent, capable, clearly not, nor whether he's the most brave or faithful or administratively talented. There are so many qualities we might look for, and yet there's only one thing which actually qualifies him, and it's this. Do you love him? If Peter loves him, then all else will follow. And as we know, Peter does love him. And perhaps our Lord asks three times to undo the triple denial which Peter's already made of him. It was a denial which was not sincere, it was provoked by fear. But underneath it all, he did love the Lord. And of course, as we know, he wept bitterly when he realized the consequences of his shallow and careless words. If a priest loves the Lord, if he loves Jesus, he will do all of these things. He will lay down his life. He will give up these things in this world. And they will not seem a great sacrifice because he will have received so much else. There are very many priests in the world who have responded to this call. It may surprise you to know there are over 400,000 priests in the world at the moment. There are 60 countries in the world that don't have populations as great as the priesthood. Now, amid such a great number, of course, there will be some who do not match up to the demands of their high vocation. We're all familiar with it. The media, the world, the devil, which hates the church, seems to delight in publicizing these things. Well, Remember, our Lord had 12 disciples, and one of them went bad. There are far more than 12 today in the world, and I'm afraid there's more than one Judas as well. But our part in all of this is to ask our Lord for good shepherds, shepherds after his heart, because without them the church cannot survive. There are many treasures and many riches which we would be terribly impoverished to lose. Our great churches our wonderful works of art, our spiritual traditions, our musical heritage, even wonderful things like the great religious orders, they would be a terrible loss, but we could survive. But we cannot survive without the priesthood, because from the priesthood come the sacraments, and in particular, the great sacrament of the Blessed Eucharist and the sacrament of penance, which prepares us for it. If we want to live, if we do not wish to be scattered or lost upon the world, if the flock is to have a form 
and to be gathered both in this world and to the next world, then it must have shepherds. And this is the will of God in this world. He has not abandoned us. He never will. And every shepherd in this world is not a shepherd on his own terms. He is only and can ever be a sacramental representation of Christ himself. The hands which bless are Christ's hands. The voice which preaches can only be Christ's voice. The doctrine which is passed forth is never the personal opinion of an individual priest, but only the pure, crystal clean doctrine which comes from the heart of the Church and is itself an emanation of the eternal mind of God. It's truth itself. And to the extent that a priest wishes to be effective, he must disappear. He must hide himself. He must die to himself. He must be lost upon the cross so that only Jesus may be seen in his actions. Pray for your priests. Pray that God will send us good priests, and many of them. Pray that he will sanctify them. Do not abandon them when they have taken up their position. In the old days, the prayers of voca for vocations to the priesthood included always the little warning. Lord, please keep also from the altars those who would storm them unworthily. For in the end, we don't need vast numbers of priests so much as holy priests. In the end, it's a very simple matter. Those who love the Lord. Those who love all things are possible. It is the one thing he asks of us. It was the failing of Judas that he did not love the Lord. It is the failing of others, too, when their love grows cold, as the love in any human heart can. It must be worked on. It must be roused. This is the work of God, and it cannot be lost. Let us pray in our time for holy priests, good shepherds, who will persevere in the field of the Lord, watch over his flock, so that all of the rest of us may receive the salvation which the Lord promises. In the name of the Father. Son of the Holy Spirit.